welcome to more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com/comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor in chief of Comics Beat at comicsbeat.com, and you can check us out on social media at at PW Comics World at twitter.com. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes. And on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. All right, this week on More to Come, uh, the graphic novel critics poll, our annual look at the best uh, graphic novels of the year, and the year in review, including uh, harassment, the big two, uh, indie comics, comics versus bookstores, comics and the media, conventions, and much more. So let's start it out with the graphic novel critics poll uh, done this year by our incoming new uh, PW Graphic Novels Review Editor, Meg Lemke, uh, in transition from Heidi McDonald, Editor-in-Chief of The Beat. So the winner is, with eight votes... My favorite thing is monsters. My favorite thing uh, is monsters. I don't know if you guys have talk- ever heard of this book before. <laughs> We've been talking about this book since I don't know if May Calvin, of 2016. Calvin, have you ever read this book? <laughs> you know what? Um, I think I have probably. If I haven't read it, I'm an I'm, well, I'm an annoying well, person. Listen, I, 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 I mean, talk about clearly, it so much. I mean, we're joking. In case you are a newcomer yes. to the podcast, <laughs> Calvin mentions this book every podcast. In every podcast, he because goes through a I long description. <laughs> oh, Heidi! Of why he, he only it. mentions it every other podcast. Yeah. Yes, you're right, Kate. You're right. I'm being really, really snarky. Well, but, but it's let's okay. Just, but, uh, you know, the book, I, I'll give Calvin credit. He was the first person to champion it, uh, one of the first. And it is really just sui generis. I mean, nothing has been ever like it before. Um, there will be more like it to come because there's a sequel coming in yes. 2018. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Emil Ferris came from nowhere yeah. uh, to make this this giant brick of a book and um you know no surprise no surprise that it's the book of the year and um you know the comics beat we have the person of the year voting is underway and um you know i'm not i can't say of course who's being voted for that that's all i'll say (laughs) well the the remarkable thing it's a remarkable book but really there's a remarkable story behind the author as well uh sweetest person you'll ever want to meet and i mean she has become this uh, this personality. I mean, she was the key speaker at the, the recent cab, mm-hmm. uh, interviewed on stage by the Partisan Review, um, the managing editor, uh, Nicole Rudick. Um, uh, you know, go out and get it. I mean, it was a runaway, you know, as these things are. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the impact of women creators uh, over the past year. And really, obviously, this is something over the past several years. Right. Well, listen, just but, to cut to the chase, yeah. I mean, you know, my favorite thing is Monsters was the number one book. But uh, the next, like, I think there's one, two, three, uh, one, two, three, let's see. One, the top two, three, ten four, vote getters five, yeah. were oh, all the top women. Ten. There's only one book on here. By, well, there's two. Let's there's see. Two, two or, there's two or three Two men. books by men. So, yeah. you know, it's out of 12. So you and get, that's with get the, 13 critics. Yes, exactly. Voting. So, uh, you know, it was, a, but that number two book was Everything is Flammable by Gabrielle Bell, which mm. honestly, I think it's her best book. Which is a I wonderful book. Yes, I think, absolutely. I think it is her best book. Uh, yeah. I really think she found a lot of mat- yeah. maturity in it. So that was number two. And then tied for third, we had T. Bwee's 
the best we could do uh, to, until he walled the spinning. Yes. Uh, two more amazing memoirs. Yes. Um, yes. You know. Absolutely. And then more memoirs: "Sunburning" by Kayla Roberts, mm-hmm. "My Lesbian Experience in Loneliness" yeah. by Nagatakabi, "Boundless" by John Shimaki. Well, that's that's, that's fiction. Short stories, but, um, but great short yes, stories. Yes, <laughs> there's really only two or three. You yeah. know, sometimes I wonder comics. if, if and, men really understand comics at all, Heidi. I do. I really do. I mean, there you were, think, uh, what is it, one, two, three, four, they, there was four or five books tied with two boats, and they were uh, by a, by two men, Varax, The True History of Whistleblower, Mass Valence and Drone Warfare, Hostage by uh, Guy, uh, uh, Guy DeLeo, uh, then of course another one, Sex Fantasy by uh, Sophia Foster Domino. I'm Not Here by Gigi. I didn't read this book. I know. That, I was uh, surprised to see that. But yeah. you know what? It's a little dark horse. So. Yeah, interesting. Uh, it's Koyama Press, actually. Um, uh, House of Women by Sophie Goldstein, Fantagraphics. And DC squeaks in with Shade, The Changing Girl, Volume Number 1, Earth Girls uh, Made Easy by, C- Cecil, by Cecil Castellucci. And Marley Zarcone. Yes, and Marley's, excuse me, uh, two, yes. Two more women. Although Andy Parks and Ryan Kelly yes. contributed. Yes. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's really great that men are able to start making their voices heard in comics, Kate, don't you think? It's like, you know, it's wonderful that women are giving them some room on the show <laughs> yeah. to get their, make their voices heard. Yes. Yeah, it's always really great to hear yeah. from a man who, you yeah. know, tries to make it in the world of comics. I know, uh, really. And, I, and have... I think it's great that we have their viewpoints yeah. also. Why yes. have there been no great male cartoonists? I know, it's so true. <laughs> it you is know... so true. Um, you know, on this list, there is another... We always have the honorable mentions. Yes. And that includes it's, about... Um, it's a lot. About I mean, 30 or 40, yeah. maybe 50 or 60 books uh, that are all equally uh, worthy of attention. So, uh, you know, check it out. It's on yeah. Publishers Weekly. It's one of the top stories yes. there right now. Um, just really a lot of great uh, comics to check in on. And uh, yes. did a great job by Meg. Yes. Uh, yeah, just yeah. kind of got it thrust upon her very yeah. suddenly, and she yes. came through. Like, and, you know. and and once again, kudos to Heidi. She, you devised this this critics poll, <clears throat> and and you know and you know helped Meg do it. I mean, I'm sure you had to um, teach her I how to do, do the dog she, she knew right away. Yeah. You know, Meg's pretty smart. Yes. <laughs> and this isn't rocket science. Well, this is true. That's true. <laughs> but it's much. Uh, but yeah. it's a, a really important feature for the years. We we only get five best books in the PW, the famous PW Best Books feature. So this is our ability to, for the for the comics department and for our, our reviewers to kind of uh, give their take on the best books of the yes. year. So. Well, anyway, it was, yeah. it was definitely, as this list shows, there was no drop-off in quality of comics. And I say this every year, but every year, how would you imagine that these would be the top books? I mean, a book like My Favorite Thing is Monsters is so non you know indescribable although calvin will try to describe it and but um you know a book about her a mother a cartoonist's mother's house burns down you know memoir of life in vietnam a, oh, yeah. a, a memoir of a gay ice sk- figure skater you know i mean there's just the variety yeah. in these books it's just so incredible and uh among the, even the fictions one it's just the stories that we're t- telling we're being told are absolutely incredible so that's the good part of yep. comics this year and now for the year in review which is not so good sometimes although yeah. still pretty good there's some good but, stuff but there's a major uh, uh piece of bad stuff yes uh yes. yeah harassment in the over the past year well, the biggest story, obviously, in uh, you know, towards the second part of this year, was harassment, and uh, comics, unfortunately, was not untouched. Yeah. No, no, and anyone who knows uh, anything about uh, comics and comics gossip uh, will not be surprised by that fact. Sadly. Yeah. So, 
Uh, I guess the biggest story was one that has been floating around for quite a while involving DC senior editor mm. Bar- Eddie Braganza. And uh, there was a story in BuzzFeed that really laid out his, and uh, name names, with his uh, sexual harassment, uh, sexual assault, indeed, of several co-workers. And then, and, and uh, which were, these stories were pretty much well-known. Uh, I mean, they were not just well-known. There were articles written right, about them. Right. These yeah. were not, yeah. not just like a whisper I mean, campaign. Was, right. Yeah, this was well-known throughout yes, the news. Well, we talked about well it on done. this yes. show um, multiple and, times early on. And I think that what really was a shocker, and certainly I've talked to people in the comics industry, is when a second article came out with things that weren't known by women who had never been heard from because they'd been driven out of the comics industry by Brigantes. Yeah. Activity and this story shocked even me, and uh, just because it was so brazen. Oh my god, it was just and the fact that he lasted so long yeah. when all of this was known. So, yeah, uh, so you know, and DC has not publicly reacted to any of this except to announce that Berganza was no longer on staff at DC. Uh, and um, you know, I mean, there's still a lot of questions in my mind about mm. how all of this took place, yeah. I mean, it was a. Uh, I mean, this was uh, that was probably one of the biggest stories. But but throughout well, the year, of, there was a variety of harassment, both online harassment, uh, as well as you know the literal variety of it. Um, um, driving you know creators sometimes to get off of Twitter. Right. Yeah, but also sometimes creators themselves would get involved. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was not like oh those bad fans and those innocent creators. It was. Things got messy, very, very messy. Um, and you know, speaking of of creators getting sexually harassed in person, um, Colleen Duran showed up on Twitter to say a big angry me too, um, which is apparently not the one we all knew about for her, um, where she said about as much as she was legally allowed to say, and. Um, People who could read between the lines are looking very closely at warp graphics. Hmm. Well, I wouldn't say that story is exactly a secret either, but <laughs> but I mean it's not the one that she although, had talked about publicly. Uh, although I will say, I actually think there could be a third person that it refers to, but not my story to tell. So interesting. Um, I, I mean, I saw you know. her post where she said, you know, the story that I have to tell is like even worse than than, you know. than the stuff that you've been hearing. Right, right, um, right. And then cause she said. Um, that she wouldn't talk about it because yeah. she said that no one had supported her when she first spoke mm-hmm. about these things 30 years ago, which is absolutely incorrect. Instead, she was branded as crazy and unstable mm-hmm. and almost driven out of the industry. And, um, you know, now she doesn't want to support uh, any of these movements. And you know what? You go, girl. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, you know, yeah. I mean, I, but unfortunately, it's another example of how the insidious nature yeah. of this long-standing harassment is it just, you know... It just it warps everything. It does. It really does. And and so the stories. I mean, a few other people. There've actually been relatively few stories in comics. I I think, but you know, and it's a pretty small medium. So I don't know what statistically the number is. But it's not like NPR. Holy crap, NPR, man. Well, it's I like just a hotbed. Well, now Garrison, I mean, Keeler, Leonard, Lopez. Yeah, and then those two my... were fired today. Schwartzman, they were actually were suspended. Well, a couple I'm not weeks surprised ago. with Jonathan Schwartzman. But they but... got. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I was a little surprised. But I mean, I'm not surprised when I. Well, I'm. This whole thing has reached to another level. I mean, this it's clearly time. Uh, this all of this stuff uh, uh, should have been addressed many years ago. 
we we were just talking about WNYC and NPR. I mean, if I mean, anything, this stuff went on for decades. If anything happens with Brian Lair, I I, don't know I what know I do. couldn't. I, I don't honestly, know if I could bear it. I couldn't bear it. But you know, I think it. who's going to be under uh, under fire next? Um, I think the the president of WNYC. Uh, I mean, Laura Walker. I mean, it's uh, she was there and heard all this stuff over and over again. Well, I think the story of Kate, you look like you had yeah, a Yeah, I was going now. to say that it's, leads isn't right to do with that, comics. Well, but. <laughs> no, but it leads right back into comics because the real scandal is not that there are some bad people who work in comics. Right. The real scandal is that organizations like DC, when people came to them and said, hey, this is going on, you need to stop it, they swept it under the rug. Yeah. They yeah. swept it under the rug for a long time. It's like it's not the crime, it's the cover up. Yep. You know, yeah. that really indicts the and, industry. you know, another one of the most shocking stories that's kind of tangential to our neck of the woods is John Lasseter at Pixar. And I think we've talked about yeah. that before. Yeah. But, you know, like this guy was really inappropriate with a lot of women for a long time, had a drinking problem. And, you know, same thing as with Eddie Braganza. Women weren't allowed to go into meetings with him, which is a, obviously a horrible chilling effect yeah. Yeah. On, I mean, your, well, I mean, just, on your career. Just look at Pixar and look at... How often they have stories about women. Well, and also when they said, or, oh, we're going to make a story about a woman, and then they fired the female director. Yeah. And they didn't hire another one. Yeah, it's like, I mean, well, gee, I wonder where that came from. Now, I will say one thing about John Lasseter. He is a genius. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so that's, a, 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 that's you know, that's also sort of indisputable. And now, uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, I'm, this is, I, I, just want, I just want to point out, you know, I was talking with a another fellow DC alum the other day, and it's like, I'm going to put this as kindly as I can. Eddie Berganza is no John Lasseter. <laughs> it's like, why? Yeah. Like, like, I mean, not that you why? should cover up for John Lasseter, but no, you can understand no. why someone would be right. tempted also, to do it. Right. Yes, exactly. Yes. I mean, at least you're like, oh, made Toy Story. Yeah. Oh, touches it women also all the makes time. Money. Yeah, and also, can't he, John Lasseter, still be a, a genius if someone says, if you continue doing this stuff, you're out of here? Well, that's Is it. that going to stop his genius? If it's someone I draws d- a line, I doubt it. You yeah, know? and so and another thing, I nobody mean, would. But anyway, would challenge these guys. No, and I mean it's hard. It's hard when it's a friend of yours. You know, I mean, I, there's true. There is, true. and I understand from people at DC that they feel really bad. They felt that Eddie had apologized and didn't do any bad things anymore. It's like, well, you know what? He could have stopped 15 years ago. Yeah. He didn't have to do any bad things then if he could stop. He could have just not done bad things. Yeah. So. I feel the story of the year is really this horrible hellscape of comments that we live in. You know, we live in a comment section from from 1997 Usenet now, full of conspiracy theories, yep. um, you know, uh, overt racism, sexism, yep. transphobia, and yep. homophobia. And, uh, it's the people, coin of the realm. People trying to bring facts. But, you know, this is the world that we live in now, and uh, this is, for me, the big question. You know, there's no question that social media, Twitter especially, has enabled so many women to come forward and Mm -hmm. to speak out. And now they're being believed. I mean, it's not like, oh, well, we're going to investigate what Leonard, you know, what Leonard Lopate did. It's like, oh, really? Well, goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye, Leonard Lopate. (laughs) You know, you were a a crappy person, and now uh, you who harass women, which is illegal, and you are gone. And... You know, there's a few people like T.J. Miller, who started Daredevil, co-starred Daredevil, uh, very serious allegations of rape against him that, um, unfortunately, very well sourced. I mean, I say unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, 
like I said, it's hard when it's somebody that you know well, and you it, like. It's but... unfortunate that this happened. It's yes. not unfortunate yes. that the story was well yes. sourced. It, yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you very much, yeah. Kate. That's that's what I was trying to say. I mean, it's like yes, it's very unfortunate that this is uh, some this horrible thing happened. And, um, you know, but now Spider Devil 2 is coming out and he's in it. I mean, you know, can they CGI him out somehow? Yeah, I don't <laughs> Ridley know. Scott him right out of there, you know? Yeah, so. right. Can you, like, reshoot everything yeah, immediately? Uh, yeah, but how many scenes does he have? I don't yeah, know. I don't but know. I mean, I guess the big question is, uh, you know, would the harassment be the big thing it is without social media? No, absolutely. And that's really fantastic because, and wonderful. Yeah, because it's not like some people are like, oh, the harassment problem we have these days. It's like these days. Yeah. Yeah. Like no. It's, no. It's, it's no. People been... can talk about it now. Yeah. 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 No. Absolutely. But the you know is that good enough to wash away the fact that we live in a in a charred hellscape of of <laughs> untruth? You know where no, nothing is good and bad at all anymore. Yeah. I mean, although I, I do think that I do think we can choose our sources, um, and some people choose bad sources. The, there I you mean, go. I mean, aside from certain highly placed politicians who shall remain nameless. I don't really see that much change in the landscape. I mean, I guess maybe because of my generation and the fact that I live on the internet, um, this is not really anything surprising to me, except for the fact that this, that the like troll in the YouTube comments behavior is now happening on the national stage from yeah. a certain someone. You're absolutely but, right. You know, other yeah, than... but people, but you see what, you you know, Kate, you say you live on the internet, but you live on a certain part of the internet. Well, you're we not, all you're do. Not... No one can I live know. on the entire absolutely. internet. Absolutely, absolutely. But I'm also saying, it's like, you know, you've exempted yourself from most of the places that most people spend most of their time, like Facebook and that kind of social media, Twitter, you know, and like on Facebook, I mean, this is, you know, it's become a total echo chamber of Oh, it's a total but, echo chamber but, other places right. too. But it is. But I. But I'm. I'm saying it's yeah. like you know. Never has the news cared so little about the truth. You know, people were well more better informed when there was a half hour of news on Walter Cronkite and uh, Huntley and you know, um, what back in when there was only three networks of the McNeil Era Report than they are now when there's three 24 well, hour I, news I, services. I don't know if I want to agree that people mm. were better informed. I'd say that was a survey that showed that. That's not my. Yeah. That was an actual study that showed that. So. I do think that we've entered into an era. I mean, the kind of. The the information on the internet, the 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 chaotic uh, relationship to the truth that you're talking about that has always been there, I think it's among those of us of a certain generation that knew it was there, but we always assumed that the primary focus would be the so-called national platform medias that didn't always necessarily deal in that. I mean, I think that's gone, and I think you know. What you're seeing on the internet now, you're seeing in the in in the so-called mainstream media. It's all part of the same kind of like weird battle for whatever it is we think we understand now. So, yeah, but uh, there's an article in the New Yorker this week that's about why people don't believe facts, yeah. and you know it has a lot to do with with self-esteem, and I mean it's very complicated. But um, yeah, basically we're going through a period of huge. Uh, I don't even know how to say. I mean, I yeah. believe what I believe, but how do I know what I believe anymore? Well, but you know? at least you you try to source it. Well, yeah. I, I, I mean, I do think that does still make a difference how you source your information, and if you try to kind of, if you can find something that will upset what you think is is you know a fact, if you have a better source fact. 
Well, I mean, just, we change our t- stuff all the time based on the the, the uh, available information. Right. I, and I mean, I think the thing with women being believed, you know, I mean, the Harvey Weinstein story obviously is something that everybody knew about. And I mean, I think getting back to what Kate said earlier, I mean, that's the real takeaway from that is how we we everybody knows harassment and rape and horrible things, you know, that that happen. The whole range happens all the time. It's just how we react to the transgressors and how we punish the transgressors. And then that's what has to change. Well, I mean, I think... And to prevent it, of course. I mean, I think with Harvey Weinstein, it's... Hmm. The systemic flaws are a little less a specific organization's fault all the way down than DC because he was so powerful he didn't have many people above him. Yeah, right. And that it's one thing to know someone's a creep and it's another thing to have something you can take to a court of law. I mean, remember, uh, uh, Harvey Weinstein went down because two nationally well-respected yes. news organizations wrote uh, wrote the articles that actually they had been trying to write for many years and, and didn't have the sources. Right, and a nationally respected news organization uh, whiffed it, and it got taken yeah. to the New Yorker because yes. they couldn't be bothered or something. Yes. And I, I would like to point out, you know, there are... I mean, people tweet about Eddie Braganza every day, and it wasn't yeah. until a very yeah. well-sourced article yep. that came out in BuzzFeed, which has a. Ex- I mean, I was interviewed. I mean, I'm quoted in the article. So I mean, yep. I was working with them actually pretty early on, and maybe I helped uh, yeah. hook them yeah. up with yeah. some of the people in the story. Well, once again, you were talking but, um, about this a long time yeah, ago, this Heidi. Was, <laughs> this was this was a thing. Yeah. I mean, I honestly. And you were doing it on the record, you know. This. this, this excuse right. me. Right. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. But, I mean, there were sourced stories. It yeah. wasn't just rumors for Berganza. And, I mean, I have to admit, I think part of it is the spirit of the times. Because, I mean, when Berganza's name came up, I was like, yeah, you know, suddenly now that it's a thing, maybe he'll get his his time. Like, Or, or like, was his hour a little too early to get any kind of punishment? Or will sort of there be retrospective punishment? And the answer was there was retrospective punishment. But this is not an open secret in the whisper campaign sense of the word. This is right. a, like, right, yeah, public fact. No, but I, I mean, it does take these well, you know. I mean, I think it took the well source story as was done with Weinstein and um, and Eddie Braganza and the first few that this came out, you know, Lassiter and so on. And you know, now it's more like. Um, People are just like, oh, I'm leaving my job suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm like, to spend more time with my family. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I'm single and have no children, but yeah. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> well, you're looking every day when you open the paper to see. When you see a name trending, what's like, going to happen? Yeah. Him yeah. too? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think, but I mean, I, okay, I was just going to say that as well sourced as the Braganza thing was, they were well sourced articles before, but because. Weinstein was so apocalyptic. Yes. It dragged a lot of other things out of the shadows. Absolutely. And I mean, when you see that almost every actress that you admire for the 90s has been sexually assaulted by Harvey Weinstein, that does sort of change the way you feel about things. Yep. Yep. All right. And Uh, now on to subjects that are depressing, maybe, but don't involve large amounts of rape and (laughs) fun stuff like that. Let's move on. Uh, The big two. Yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, I guess really uh, we we all have our list of topics from uh, more to come in Good front of God. us, and uh, I think it's safe to say that maybe Marvel might have been year. our favorite topic. Uh, our favorite punching our boy. Favorite punching top. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, man, Marvel 
I, I, and you know, listen, I, I, again, I mean, I, they've been accused of everything and, uh, some of it is really stuff that they just couldn't buy a break. You know, they couldn't buy a break. They went into New York Comic Con looking to make a lot of wonderful new announcements. And then they announced that, that North Norwood Grummet book. And then it just like all fell apart on them. And, but I mean, it started with Secret Empire. Yeah. And which was. No, no. It started before Secret Empire with Hydra Cap. Because Hydra Cap led into Secret Empire, but it was a right. whole storyline. Well, when that. I said Secret Empire, I meant Hydra Cap. Okay? Yeah. Because that led into, C- yes, as you said. But I mean, the Secret Empire Hydra kick Cap. started started the year. And, um, you know, Marvel's it woes. Just wouldn't go away. Wouldn't go away. But, but and then it, it steamrolled into the most epic PR fail of all yes. times. <laughs> because they don't do, nobody at Marvel does any interviews, you know? Yeah. Like, they don't do any press, they don't do any PR. And then. Uh, they, uh, they have a little cocoon. Over they it, have a seems. little cocoon, and um, they had a, a a summit, a retailer summit that I'd been hearing about, and then they invited Milton Greep of ICV2 to cover it. Okay, because and we know Milton, we have all mm-hmm. worked with him, and Milton is about as level-headed as non-prejudicial. As... He is not a yellow journalist. No, no, no. he's, he's looking a, for just the facts, he's, ma'am. He's a businessman, and yeah. so. They went in and they said all these things, and Melton just wrote down what yeah. they said, and the internet burst <laughs> no, yeah. into Krakatoa. Yeah, because uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I did say at the time I felt it was underreported, just or, you know, a little bit. But you know, when David Gabriel said that he thought that readers were turning up their noses at diversity. Um, which wasn't saying that Marvel hates diversity. No. It's saying that readers are turning yeah. out bad. But, you know, it was, which to me was a dog whistle to the retailers in the room. Um, that, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, yeah. I mean, Marvel just couldn't, from then on, nothing. Nothing Marvel could do was right. And then, six months later, at um, the New York. The New York Comic Con event. They yeah. held another retailers. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's not. And it's, then, uh, but to, just to finish the story, another actual retailer stands up in front of a bunch of reporters including my own although he had snuck in he's very smart uh and my my reporter called him bigoted santa claus and and he said you know we don't want all these books with gay we don't want a gay ice man and you know and marvel of course shut that down but the damage was done yeah well but i do think that part of what made people angry about david gabriel's comments was that it was a spectacular display of missing the point yes like i don't think i'm gonna be honest here like even people who were cheering for diverse books didn't like those books they weren't good books and to just be like oh well i guess they're all prejudiced so i guess we're just gonna have to make white men and that's why our books didn't sell it was just like well, you Way know what? The point, a bud. lot of books are are crappy at Marvel. There's a lot of reasons for this. I mean, I okay. So just this week, we're going to talk about one little current events thing that just today they was you know in this week the Marvel solicitations of February came out and turns out Legacy, which was the mm-hmm. new dawn of an era that was supposed to make everything good at Marvel and launch with all those lenticular cover variants. Ooh. Uh, <clears throat> um, and like they've, they've canceled 11 books, which is like something like 13% of the line. Uh, and unfortunately, quite a few of them, like they've canceled Gay Iceman and they've canceled America and some other books that were helmed mm. either featured diverse characters on the page or diverse creators behind the page. Now, I haven't looked at the, the rundown of who's yeah. done what, so I'm going to... Res- um, I'm gonna withhold judgment on 
<coughs> sorry, whether Marvel's diversity initiative was completely scuttled. But Legacy is already yeah. is already like canceled eleven books. Now, I was told, and I'm sure I've said this on this podcast before. I was told six months ago that Legacy was just a stopgap and that they were going to do a new relaunch. Oh, for Pete's oh, sake. So this comes as literally no surprise to me. Modern cartooning. And yet it still does come as a surprise to me. I just, it comes as a surprise to me. I am, uh, I just don't know what's going on at Marvel. Yeah. I mean. Well, wasn't it? Wasn't oh, and then, oh, and, uh, you know, also we had a little thing called firing the editor-in-chief and hiring a new one. Oh, well, yeah. I, well, I assume we were coming to that. But, I, I mean, I was also concerned, but didn't Marvel early on sort of create a zero-sum game? Either there's diversity heroes or there's, or there's the classic heroes. Yeah, they did, and that was part of the problem. Yes. And so it was like they were pitting their fans against each other. Yeah, yeah. Unnecessarily. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I honestly, I think all of this could have avoided, or at least lessened, like if they'd only thrown some water on the fire and not gasoline. Yes. It's like they also fired their PR guy in the middle of this and hired a new one who, you know, she had a lot of on-the-job training. You know, no names. She's really nice and doing a good job now, but she kind of started in the middle of a, of a you know, inferno. Yeah. And, and isn't allowed to say anything. And, um, and furthermore, I mean, say what you will about DC. It certainly has its flaws, but and some creators are like, oh, my free speech is being muzzled. <laughs> but they apparently have instituted a social media PR policy where you can't be too inflammatory on social media about DC books. And uh, frankly, Marvel probably would have been benefited from like maybe taking their creators aside and uh, installing such a but policy themselves. You know, Kate, I know that one of them they have done that repeatedly and he just keeps doing it. So well, I okay. mean, I'm, I'm just saying it's like, you know, at some point, like they, they can't, just, it, can't, it is but, actually at some point it is free speech, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, so. it is, uh, I, you know, whatever. But I mean, I will say that part of it is that some creators just can't just can't avoid getting into fights on the internet no, it's like yeah. it's, it's like, like a drug it's, it's instead of just like making the one post being like this is my position and like screw you if you don't agree they have to like seek out every single person who said something mean to them and get get into it in the mud pit well who are we but you know i mean we could i don't Spencer, want to derail but, Spencer. but isn't he off twitter now yeah he is after off. after a really long time yeah. of of like dear god man what are you doing to your career yeah but i you know i don't know i think people being mean on twitter is actually a very either side it's actually a very minor problem well i kind of agree with that um but i mean i think but i think in the case of hydrocap like what really added fuel to that fire was that okay, fans don't like it, they're angry, that's fine. But instead of just being like, whatever, they're angry, like, it wasn't just Spencer, although Spencer certainly did more than his share, but, you know, some editors got into it and were like, you know, fans should just take it. And Yeah, but, you know, they got death threats. They got death threats over the storyline. You know, there was a petition to fire Nick Spencer. I mean, I'm just saying, like, this whole thing escalated. I mean, I, I agree with you, but I'm just saying that both well, sides it, behaved it's, really it's, inappropriately it's, it's, it's because bad. it's Twitter. 
Well, it's yeah, a, but it, one side are professionals, <laughs> or, or it's supposed to be. Um, well, at, we at some point we should talk about C.B. Sabolsky real quickly. Oh well. yeah, I mean we've talked about him before. We, but, we right. had this but, episode. Yeah, but we should mention that the you know um, there uh, there's a new editor in chief uh, who took office immediately under an absurd cloud, right? Uh, by misrepresenting who he was, taking on uh, the identity of a fake uh, Asian Asian writer. Uh, was it Akira Yoshida? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's really hard. Once again, as I said before, what is one to make of it? Uh, CB uh, seems like a nice guy um, and, and a talented really guy, dumb. but really he's kind of taken on this really uh, amazing position uh, under fire. Yeah. <laughs> and he hasn't ever actually just said, I'm sorry. Yes, he, well, he did. No. Well, well, he sort I mean, of did. He said but... this long, rambling thing, which... Like I but guess he's like moving on. Yeah, and you're just like, what do you mean it's water Which under the bridge? This is the first happen. any of us heard of this. But we did a whole show on that, so I, yeah. I'm not gonna. Even, no, but I just yeah. thought we need to bring we, it we up. We needed to touch on base yeah. on that because it's part of the whole context yeah. of of Marvel just having a really bad year. Yeah. And I think we should put this in the context of us in the podcast in general. We are not Marvel haters. As a no, whole. Not, no at all. not at all. There have been no, many years where we were like, yeah, Marvel's you know, hitting it no. out of the park. We love Marvel. Yeah. So and this I'm is like not, a Marvel fan. Right. It's you know? not like we were looking for Marvel blood. It's just that Marvel was bleeding out in the water and we yeah. can't help ourselves. We're news sharks, man. Yeah. But we should talk a little bit about DC. Mm. And if yes, we talk definitely. about DC, I think we have to talk about Wonder Woman. We have to talk about Wonder Woman? Oh, yes, we do. So And uh, the future of the DCEU. Yes, of course. But, I mean, uh, certainly in terms of uh, a character that had an enormous amount of impact this mm. year. That Galvin, and we're, I mean, we're talking about the movies, but right. it's got to be reflected in, to some extent in the books. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, uh, the, the, back, the back trades are selling very well. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the floppies are all about Wonder Woman's brother, because that's really what we want to read about. <laughs> Wonder yeah, Woman's brother. I haven't read any of this, so that's sort of bizarre. But uh, but the character is enormous. I, I have to say here, um, a, a good buddy of mine um, has a daughter who's a sophomore in college. He called me up and asked me to talk to her. She's writing a paper. One of her papers is on, on Wonder Woman. Uh, I actually directed her to our 75th anniversary podcast. Um, I mean, I mean, Wonder Woman obviously was a uh, a character that was studied in academia long before now. But all of these things came to a head in this year in some ways. Um, Her popularity has never been greater. Uh, She's really become a transformative character, I think, in the DC universe. Well, you know, it's the power of a truly excellent movie. Yes. Um, My dad, who is not that kind of geek, happened to watch it on an airplane when he had nothing better to do. And was like, I watched a really good movie on the airplane. And I was like, what was it? And he was like, Wonder Woman. And I was like, like okay. Whoa. <laughs> if, if my 70-year-old father, who isn't really into superhero movies, was like, that was a really good movie, then you know it was a really good movie. Yeah. Yes. And I, I mean, we got to give Patty Jenkins a lot of credit. Yes. yes. Uh, you know, she stuck by her gun. She fought for a lot of things in that movie, and she won. And, um, you know, the other DC movie that came out this year was Justice League, yeah. and which is a huge, like, um, disappointment at the box office yeah. even though it's still made 500 yeah. million dollars but they, unfortunately they spent 600 million dollars <laughs> you know it's not that bad yeah. and, but it's just they too many cooks I mean yeah. I honestly uh, and I, they I, rushed it they yeah. they rushed it and also with 
Wonder Woman, I think they were so trepidatious about it for so long that they were finally like, all right, you know what? Just do it your way. You know, I don't, whatever. It'll yeah. just put it out there. She benefited. We got from... Justice League coming, so yeah. we'll yeah. be fine. And yeah. also, she, she benefited. <laughs> she shot. Wonder Woman shined in that movie as well. Yeah, she was, yeah. I mean, and that one is a lot on Gal Gadot because some actors can do a lot with a crappy script. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I do think maybe Patty Jenkins did sort of a little bit benefit from sexism because so many male writers have tried to write Wonder Woman and are like, I can't write Wonder Woman. I mean, in a movie context. Sure. Um, that maybe they're what... <laughs> Instead of the usual, well, everyone has their own idea of what you should do with Batman. Maybe fewer people had their own idea of what you should do with Wonder Woman. And for once, the sexism helped yes. somebody. Although, obviously, the comics, they didn't have anything to back it up, which really, really yeah. cracks me it's, up. It's, it's terrible. Like they didn't have, you know, yeah. they didn't, they did not have. And they, like you said, if you look at the sales, the Wonder Woman books have been doing well. However, the biggest story in print at DC in 2017 probably was Superhero Girls. Yeah, which is, good point. Which Actually, is very a good point. Massive success. Very good and point. You know, and I think that may have had some of the crossover for Wonder Absolutely. Woman because guess who's the main character? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. good point. I mean, I mean this is. I, I mean, I'm. I'm sure I've said this on the podcast, but the highlight of my 2017 was definitely at San Diego, where I ran into one of my old co-workers at DC and I said, you know, if, if I thought that 20 years later I'd be standing here holding a DC superhero girls. Um, bag and talking about this line of comics and toys, what would you have thought? And he said, I probably would have injured myself from when I fell over laughing. <laughs> and I was like, yes, and I no, was it's pretty right. amazing. I was right. I was right. I was right all along. Yeah. And, I was right. And was incidentally, right. <laughs> speaking of the competitor to Warner Brothers Disney, um, the uh, Forces of Destiny series is almost exactly a straight up Star Wars rip of superhero girls business oh, really? model. And, Interesting. Which is not a bad thing. Um, basically they were like, hey, you know, girls like Star Wars, girls like dolls. Maybe we can sell Star, Star Wars, Wars dolls. <laughs> and so they, Capitalism is so predictable. Oh my God. <laughs> but I mean, it's funny that it took them this long to be like yeah. action here figures. They're dolls. Yeah. Maybe if we just made them regular dolls, girls would buy them. And yes, yes, they will. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes you got to look at what's right in front of you. You know, just to finish up on DC, it wasn't that long ago, maybe two or three or four years ago, that every week DC had done something yeah, stupid. They were yeah. having. We were just like, <laughs> what the hell? There, yeah, there's well, a web. It's Marvel's turn. Yeah, and now it's, it's Marvel's turn. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully both of them will, will recover from this yeah. and it'll be a whole new thing. Well, DC has recovered pretty well from their yes, dark period. Yes, their, yes. And Marvel has had their dark days in the past before. They can recover. Again. Yeah, and you know, one thing that is absolutely happening, a little bit under the radar, but will become bigger and bigger the next couple of weeks for Marvel, is that Joe Quesada, their former editor chief now their chief creative officer mm -hmm. he's been spending a lot of time in hollywood but he is definitely back uh spending some time with marvel he's been writing tweeting. the ship he's writing the ship you can see he's tweeting all the time he's mm -hmm. kind of doing an all-day ama on twitter and joe is a real professional he knows how to handle these things um you know so he's and that's yeah. all that you need you need someone to come out and calm yeah. the waters a little bit yeah and that's what well, Casada is doing there's and a reason why pr people exist and you have to let them do their jobs yes yes okay we're gonna we're gonna uh, segue here to comics versus books for now we framed it uh in in a number of our discussions and and actually in some some stories i've written that way to make sure people pay attention we're, we're, we're 
really what we're talking about here is a kind of change in, uh, really, I think a really paradigmatic change in how Americans get their comics. Um, uh, We saw this, uh, I did a panel in San Diego where we brought together a bunch of retailers. Uh, We saw it at New York Comic Con on a presentation during uh, Milton Greep's ICV2 where we brought in Kristen McLean, Mm -hmm. uh, Kristen McLean from... um, uh, from uh, Bookscans, uh, book pardon me, Bookscan, uh, talking about uh, how consumers are changing. And the book format, and we've talked about this for many years on this show, how the book format is changing uh, what what comics fans um, buy, but where they go to buy their comics is changing dramatically too. And there's a generation that actually just does not go to comic shops. Absolutely. And oh. they're going to bookstores, and that's where the readers are. And we're seeing both on the, in the conventional comics industry and in the traditional book trade that the the graphic novel format continues to attract more and more consumers. Well, you know, the problem is that comic book stores are hard to get to usually because it's a low margin business. The books, the comic book stores are not like a really easy place to get to usually. And so, of course, uh, people who already love to read and already go to bookstores if they come across graphic novels there, we'll get them there. Yeah. Like, it, it takes real dedication to make that leap to gra- to uh, comic stores. Like, even I was on the early end of this. Like, the way I got into grown-up comics was seeing them in bookstores as a teenager and, like, wanting to have the newest issues and so therefore I had to get my mom to drag, to take me to the comic book store but like that that's like an extra level of effort that takes like real yeah. dedication and so yeah if you want to grow the audience making it easier for people to get the books is like a no well, brainer the other thing Amazon I think is something that, that but our well, it's also name, but I think it's what like you guys browse. talked about on your on your floppy show is that we're, we're also getting generations that they just don't b- read floppies they they want books and they also want a wide variety of content. Yeah. Of multiple genres. Yeah, and the advantage also is now with digital floppies, people who really, really need that next issue yeah. but aren't yeah. sure they want to drive to the dark yeah. side of town, just buy their digital copy and then get a trade later for Christmas. Well, Absolutely. I mean, what we're really seeing right now is, um, you know, the rise of comics for younger readers, which mm-hmm. uh, wasn't this the statistic that it's up... Like, yeah, there you know, was. I the numbers I are right now. But, I actually wrote a whole story about yeah, it. Yeah, but this is driving it. But it was, the but business. It was, it was double digits. I mean, it's yes. like maybe t- like sixteen percent in the yeah. last two years. It's yes. something really crazy yes. like that. And 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 graphic novels are one of the few categories that is growing in the bookstore market. Yes. You know, I mean, Jim Milliard here at PW every day. He's writing like sales down, sales down. And, yeah. and uh, but you know, graphic novels are holding their own. However. You know, if I was to say anything, I mean, we are entering a period of disruption. You know, we talked mm-hmm. about this at New York Comic Con. Milton Greep said we're yeah. heading for the fifth disruption, yeah. starring Bruce Willis <laughs> and Mila Jovovich. And, um, you know, but I mean, it's happening. And there is, trust me, uh, there are some things I cannot talk about, but I have been hearing a lot of rumors that there's going to be a huge shakeup next year, just in terms of distribution and, you know, how it works. And, and um, we are going to see a lot of changes to the model in the next 12 months, I predict. And well, we're unfortunately, seeing, we're starting to see some store closings also. Yeah. We're seeing a real disruption evolution right and now. And we're seeing more and more publishers, even small, re- relatively small publishers like Oni, 
switching their distribution and making sure that their book trade uh, their book trade distribution is handled through classic uh, moving away from the, even the diamond side um moving to random house mm-hmm. yeah you yeah. know a consortium uh for the last couple of years has been really bringing Absolutely. on more and more small presence they want to make sure that their their that their book format comics are getting in front of book readers and getting in front of in and getting into the school and the library market. It's absolutely as vital. Well. You can't ignore that. And like, they have to be books. They has can't to be. be they can't be floppies when we're talking about school and libraries. Yeah. yeah. You know, a couple of uh, stories that kind of bookend the year. Um, one of them what this is really one of the big stories of the year and it just happened in January is when the New York Times dropped their graphic novels bestseller list oh, yeah and like point. at the last time year. there was a lot uh was that last year well no, it was the end of it was the beginning of this year, year. yeah yeah right um well uh that definitely that definitely you know there's their graphic novel sales are down in the comic shops this year and i've heard anecdotally in bookstores but i think it kids is made yeah. up for it but um yeah, you know we have numbers. to look it at hurt. these numbers it hurt the it industry definitely mm. hurt quite a bit and you know i gotta kind of give the the woman at the New York Times, kind of a big old, you know, like, yes, yes, thank <laughs> yes. you. Let's all together. One, yeah. two, three. <laughs> yeah. Come give us back our graphic novel. Give us back our graphic novel. You stinker. List. You, stinker. <laughs> um, you know, a couple little roadblocks yeah. are still. Uh, and then just towards the end of the year, uh, Spencer Simpson left uh, Books a Million. Now, this is a guy who was the graphic novel yeah. buyer there. He was really a driving force. He started their whole fried pie variant cover, fried pie. Uh, comics and you know there's really only Barnes and Noble Books a Million and uh, and Indies yeah indie bookstores yeah. I mean isn't there yeah, yeah is there another chain I mean there are some small yeah, regional Hastings chains yeah Hastings went out of business right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah there's so. some, there are I think there are some other regional chains but really um, I mean Those it's interesting we live in a period now where indie bookstores have stabilized and the the chains, the remaining chains, are under enormous pressure because they are more in competition with Amazon yeah. right. than your corner bookstore. So we really entered into an interesting period of um, disruption. Yeah, at this we point. we really are, and it really has to do with all of the larger retail <laughs> issues. Yeah. But comics and books are holding their own. They're not. Yeah. They're definitely holding their own, even in this landscape. So, you know, we touched on comics media a little bit, but, um, uh, you know, we're running out of time on this podcast. Yeah. There was so much to talk about in 2017. Well, but just, can, real, just real quickly, I want to talk about one of the big breakouts. Yeah. We mentioned Wonder Woman. You know, Logan was great. Sure. But I think, actually, for me, probably the biggest debut of the year was Riverdale. Riverdale oh, is a much bigger hit than I would have anticipated. Yes. Interesting. I, myself, am not a Riverdale watcher, but... I have to say, when I heard about it, I was like, I thought it would be like one of the many eternal but not hugely popular CW shows yeah. of, you know, many pretty young people and some people watch it and that's it. But, like, it's huge. It's yeah, yeah. huge. You cannot turn around without hearing about Interesting. it. Interesting. I only like, saw the in, the opening show, but I, I actually liked it. Yeah, but it's it's very big with a young audience. Yeah. I know very, it's big with the Tumblr crowd. It's very big. Um, in um, uh, when at the ICV2 conference, and they did a study yes. of social media. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. that social media study. The Walking study. Dead was yeah. number one, but Riverdale yeah. was number two. No, yeah. good point. And, um, like, I will, when we were at the table at New York Comic Con, and we had a book which had the Archie comics that were used to inspire Riverdale, the, the recent Archie ones. And um, I got more comments on that book. Mm-hmm. than any other book we had on that yeah. table. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, yeah. And yeah. furthermore, 
Um, like I have just randomly heard from like non-comics people. I'm just running. I I know when we're talking about something else, and I'm like, oh, you know, like uh, we have some leftover review copies. Like, do you want anything for you know the kids in your life? And it's like Archie. Like I never heard that before. I never heard that before. Now it's like, what Archie do you got for my kids? Yeah, yeah, so. and and uh, you know they're launching a Sabrina show, which will be on mm-hmm. Netflix. And um, yeah, Riverdale's definitely had a big influence. And I really give Roberto Aguirre Sacasa a lot yeah. of credit. I mean, that really was a very vibrant reboot. I mean, it's also the year of Legion. I mean, there's so many TV shows. The Punisher was on Netflix. Um, just two really quick deals I want to mention. Um, Mark Miller sold Millerverse. To yes, Netflix. oh, good point. We don't point. even know yeah. what that's going to be. Yeah. Um, Robert Kirkman signed a big deal with Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, and he has a new book coming out. So we're going to see what the fruits of those deals are. Mm-hmm. You know, streaming is the other giant in the room. Yeah, uh, that's affecting everything. Um, um, you know, the other stories of the year, obviously, Disney buying Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the deal for AT&T to buy Warner's being scuttled yep. by, uh, you know, President Trump hating CNN, apparently. Yeah. So, <laughs> and But, you know, and in reverse of, of comics getting turned into television and media, um, one of the bright spots at Marvel is their Star Wars comic line, mm-hmm. which is yes. doing very, very well and um, has definitely leveled out what few quality issues it had before. Like they've they've definitely been putting out quality books that have been selling very very well. Yeah. Uh, just I'm gonna jump in here a, a little bit off of that because I I'm, I think I uh, I apologize I skipped over this the indies uh, section of this and just to point out the the rise of Lion Forge um, mm. uh, uh, a new actually trade graphic novel publishing house being constructed right before our eyes a book trade facing comics publisher. Although they do have a very important um, superhero line that's obviously a- aimed at the direct market, Catalyst Prime. Very interesting, uh, a uh, very diverse company with a very mission to produce diverse comics. They're, they're very interesting. They have a lot of resources, and we will be watching them closely in the new year. Yes, and well, uh, you know they purchased my website. Yes, I, I, and that's I, important I was to say, know. I actually work for well, yes. I work for a sister company, Syndicated yes. Comics. Yeah. But um, just wanted yes. to point that yeah. out. Yes. So. Now, I, I will have my um, slightly dissenting opinion, which is that I think the rest of their line is much stronger than their superhero books. And it's just it's just really hard to put out a superhero line if you're not the big two. I and I wish them all the luck in the you world. Have a point. But yes. I have I I hope that they don't sink too much capital yes. into it. I was gonna say, uh, you know, uh, uh, probably my observation would actually be the same. Of course, yeah. it's partly my own taste. Um, I mean, they but put I love the superheroes, catal- and yeah, I'm saying that they put yeah. out the Catalyst line, which which I I will say, everyone is crying for diverse superheroes. Yeah. And diverse creators, you actually should just at least check it Take, out. Check you don't them have out. To buy at least it check if you don't it like out. the books. Yeah. But uh, you know, this I, I said this before yeah. uh, I was purchased. But uh, but I mean, definitely for me personally, the books that I, the I books, appreciate the, the book, book trade side is very is, interesting. Yeah. And we should also point out their children's line run by Andrea. Cole. Yeah, Colvin. they have some really great. So they've got some great, great stuff coming. Great out. books coming out. Um, yeah, I said myself if I mm-hmm. said myself. You know, as I'm sitting here, I just saw. I'm looking on my, you know, just like at CNN, they have their laptops. So we record the podcast. I have to monitor the news. I just see David Brothers quit Image Comics talking about Oh, really? So that's like another little interesting for the the end of the year. You know, David was really hugely influential at at Image and, you know, helped spearhead the magazine that they did. And, absolutely um, you know, yeah worked on a lot of their uh, social media outreach and everything so but he's amazing i mean he's a former contributor to pw yes he has written for pw as and well. i'm sure he'll yeah. be immensely successful and um 
you know what whatever he he does now, next uh we've got conventions down here i'm i, I just want to quickly lead off very quickly uh to hail the black comic book fest at the uh, schoenberg yeah uh i think uh, it's an amazing, it's growing uh, rapidly. In fact, it may be growing a little too much for the venue. We're going to see how that goes. Uh, I understand why they want it there. Uh, John Jennings um, uh, is one of, is a, the co-founder, uh, but still, it's an extraordinary event. Yeah, and isn't it coming up in, in January? In January, yeah, so yeah. it's coming up very soon, so make make your plans. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a huge year for conventions, as mm-hmm. usual. You know, San Diego. I, I mean, yeah. they say it's huge, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, San Diego probably um, maybe sh- I would say shrank a little bit. I think it's stabilized. I mm-hmm. think yeah. it's explosive growth. But New York Comic Con just keeps Continuously. growing and growing. It sold well, two hundred thousand tickets this year. Um, you know, it's spreading like um, yeah, you know, I the green think- slime all over the place. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think San Diego Comic Con has plateaued. Because while there obviously is a vast number of people who want to go, like it does take getting out to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And so there's a whole other half of the country in which we live. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so mm-hmm. New York Comic Con has a pretty good market I there. Mean, does, does anybody even know how many people come to all of the outside events at San Diego? I mean... Well, I told you that the, there was a study that showed that it was something like, you know, 50,000 people. So, yeah. So that would put know, them, a lot of people, you know, roughly right. in the 200,000 range. Well, a couple, just not sold tickets. Right. A couple of other stories that are important to the convention uh, sphere is that uh, just the uh, – there was a long, ongoing long lawsuit where San Diego was suing – Salt Lake oh, Comic Con mm-hmm. over the use of the term Comic Con, which they have trademarked, which is and, completely eye rolly. Well, it is and it isn't. <laughs> you know, like here's the thing: it's like on paper, it is eye rolly, but the reason why is just that Salt Lake had sassed San Diego so much, and you know they had like, like memos were like, oh yeah, we're gonna trade on the name Comic Con. I mean, they had a whole business <laughs> plan that was found in Discovery. We're like, oh yeah, we're definitely hijacking Comic Con. So that. I, I mean, I'm very sympathetic to San Diego. And you'll notice that they're not suing every other show that does that. So it was really mano a mano bad blood between San Diego mm-hmm. and Salt Lake. But surprisingly, San Diego won. They only got $20,000 in damages. But uh, apparently, the guys who own Salt Lake City were not very sympathetic to the jury. So yeah. I think that might have been the main reason mm-hmm. there. Now, be that as it may, you know, uh, we're definitely running out of time. But I want to really quickly talk about this because, um, like... The convention landscape kind of exploded, but a lot of changes, like more acquisitions, more launches. Um, you know, there was two new lines of co- uh, comic conventions uh, launched. Uh, one of them, Stillborn, which is Fandemic. They were mm. supposed to be like a co- celebrity con, focusing on Walking Dead. They were supposed to happen, and it turned out there was a hurricane, so they've kind of canceled. They've put their plans on hold. I don't really know what's going on with that. And then there was Ace Comic Con, yeah. which was this spectacular lineup of, of the whole Justice League minus... Uh, ben Affleck that they had signing autographs, so that was a long on, and, and I actually went to that. I, I haven't mm. talked about it here, but you know, I wrote a big long piece for the Beat, which you could find. Um, and uh, you know, this is kind of the idea. Like you see these two different directions now. That uh, and people behind the con actually told told me this off the record, so on background. But it's really an attempt to see if you just get the world's biggest celebrities and throw an event around them, can you make 
just as much money yeah. or, you know, like balanced cost versus expenditure. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's part of the con story this year as well, is that yes. sometimes people were finding out that the nerd liberties do not pay for themselves. Right, right. That you can, in fact, promise Ben Affleck too much money. Well, the, he didn't come to the con well, and he won't come and nobody likes him because he's... No, okay, I didn't mean <laughs> actual Ben Affleck, but I meant, you know... <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, but okay, but listen, people, she's worth every penny. Yeah. People just sure. are, you sure. know, she's I, I'm, just this radiant ambassador. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not knocking Gal Gadot. I just meant that there has been a trend in nerd liberty shows to, um, you know, outbid each other. Yes. And yeah. at a certain point, you can bid it up too high, and um, that sank yeah. a number of shows. Well, I, Ace Comic Con is definitely on the cutting edge of this. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of problems with the show. I'll just throw that in there very quickly. Um, but I, I will say overall, most people spent $1,000 and they got to meet Gal Gadot. Is that a... <laughs> and Henry Cavill uh, uh, and Jason go. Momoa. I mean, come All on right. now. But, uh, you know, is this worth it to them? I guess it was. I guess it You know, was. some people did not like the show. Um, if you read the beats, uh, you know, uh, when a Comic-Con is crap category, you'll see this was also <laughs> a year when there were some spectacular... <laughs> Crash Spectacular. and burn. You know, like Barn Con, the convention that was held in a barn because they lost their venue at the last and minute. And the convention they, that was is, is held in an abandoned an abandoned Sears store. an abandoned department store. Um, you know, there was the one where the, there Sears was, Con. Yes, yeah, Sears Con. <laughs> um, I mean, there was a lot. There was a lot. Of, We've also entered a period where at any event that you think that you want to become popular, you put Con on the end of yes. it. Yes. Uh, book con is one and there's I mean that's the most but obvious one it is a one. convention it is a convention actually so um, it does make some sense others. yeah uh, but yeah I, I mean just to, to wrap it up very quickly though like the, the con culture fan fan yeah. driven culture huge on the upswing um I think we're seeing a lot of people uh, consolidate, but I don't see it going away anytime yeah. soon. Yeah, no, it's here either. to stay. It is here to stay. One thing, either. one small other trend I've noticed, which Anime NYC is part of, oh yes, is oh, that sorry. is that the anime cons are separating back out. Mm-hmm. Yes. There was a, a yes. time when people were like, well, maybe we can just bundle the anime cons into the comic cons, but there's just a culture clash yes. there. Uh, the anime cons get short shrift because their creators yeah. aren't in town because they don't speak English. Um, and so they're separating back out. Yeah. And so, we see the, the launch of Anime, anime NYC. Anime NYC, because the previous big anime show in New York got eaten mm-hmm. by New York Comic Con and vanished off the face of the earth. And the manga publishing community um, migrating away from San Diego to Anime Expo. That yes. was a big part of our coverage. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was yes. very big, and I think a good decision on their part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it was an incredible year. And, you know, listeners, thank you so much for listening. Um, I mean, when I run into one of you and you give us our, you know, kind words, it really means so much to me. And Kate and Calvin, I'm sure it means it's happened to me. People come up to me and say, hey, it happened in New York Comic Con a couple of times. Yeah. Um, We want to hear from you. Yeah. And every time we do, uh, we really do listen, even if occasionally we don't agree with you. Because (laughs) because frequently, you know, here we are sitting in our office and it feels like we're shouting into the void. Like we see the numbers and it doesn't feel real because they're just numbers on a computer. So we really want to hear from the actual people. Yeah, please. And, you know, we've said this before. uh, uh, Please give us a rating on iTunes. Go to iTunes. Yes. It really, really helps. We love uh, love to see comments there. And Um, tell us what you you like and what you don't like. Give us a review. Yeah, absolutely. Be candid. We are, so you can be too. Yeah, and tell us what you want more of. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and and what you want less of. We're, you know, we are big people. We can take it. But, but thank you so much for listening. It really is truly appreciated. So yeah, wow, what a year. Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) 
and, and you know, we, you just have it's been so exhausting. We've seen so much, and yet somehow, I know in 2018 there will be more to come. <laughs>